Welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, where we help you transform your life so you can become financially free. In this show, we'll give you the inside track on how to excel in your career, filter out the noise surrounding your finances to help you make smart financial decisions, and we'll learn from thought and business leaders who can help you live your best life. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy. I'm alongside Career Advisor, Sergio Patterson. What's up? Our attorney, Matt McElroy, is missing in action tonight. He uh, had a bunch of depositions to complete, so he'll be tuning in on the next episode. So we got a great episode lined up for you guys. So we're going to be talking about Kobe Bryant. We've been hearing a lot about it in the news. We'll also be talking about uh, stress. Serge is going to yeah. talk all about stress in the Silicon Valley. Serge, what are you going to be talking about? Yeah, man, just stress. Not only Silicon, yeah, like mainly Silicon Valley, just um, stress in general and how people can cope with it. Some of the, the things we just really don't talk about. I, I don't think people talk about stress enough, specifically in Silicon Valley. Um with all the different things we have going on in our lives, I think it's it's a topic we need to talk about, and I'd love to share some details on what I've been going through and then ways to like help improve it for you. And I will also give you guys an update on the economy. There's been a lot going on. We know I know we've heard a lot about this coronavirus, and I know a lot of people have asked me, what does this mean? Is Stay this- away from me, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> is this the end? <laughs> I'm gonna let that comment go. We can, right. we can cut that out. Uh, judging eyes. It is stra- it now. is strange. I mean, I uh, it's scary. You know, when people are coughing, regardless of race, you just it's a scary time we live in. It is. It is. So I'll be talking about that, letting you know what it means on the financial side of things. But to start off, uh, we're doing this episode the weekend after Valentine's Day weekend. So, Serge, what'd you do for uh, Valentine's? Anything fun? Uh, so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So my, my mother-in-law, her birthday is actually on Valentine's Day. So we actually all took her out to a little spot in Morgan Hill, uh, Mama Mia's. Have you been there recently, by the way? Actually, uh, it's been a while, but yeah, I've been there. It's pretty good. They completely remodeled it. I don't know when the last time you came. It's actually pretty nice. We did that. We had a nice dinner. Um, but actually on Valentine's Day, my wife got kind of sick. Actually, I shouldn't, shouldn't put all of her business on the news. Long story short, I was in the hospital on Valentine's Day. She had a stomach. Yeah, no she, she had a crazy stomach, uh, upset stomach. She's been kind of battling this for about a month. And Valentine's Day morning, it was just too much for her. She's like, "Hey, I'm in panty to go." Good thing is, is everything came out clean. She looks good. She's got like um, a couple of prescriptions she's on for like some anti-acid stuff, but uh, there's nothing serious. Uh, so that's how I spent my Valentine's Day. Was taking care of her. Uh, yeah. What about you, man? <laughs> for me, uh, kept it pretty simple. I uh, made dinner, got the fla- overpriced flowers. I think we should change Valentine's Day to like husband tax day. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but man, those flowers are so expensive. But yeah, I got that. Uh, you know, so I was the hero for the flowers. Dinner go. went pretty well. Where'd you guys eat? Um, not just at the house. Oh, nice. Just kept it simple. Kept you know? it cheap. You mean? Yeah. Kept it cheap. <laughs> exactly. That's what I do, man. <laughs> Keep it cheap. What do you think uh, Attorney Matt McElroy did for Valentine's Day? Uh, He's Matt, not here, so we, gotta, uh, we, we can say whatever guess. we want. Um, I don't know. He probably, what did he take her to like Los Banos or somewhere? Some like uh, low down. I've known Matt McGilbert <laughs> for a long time, and I'll tell you, Valentine's Day weekend, that's a red panty night for uh, Mr. Matt McGilbert. He, oh. he has some that he wears, and then he showers himself in rose petals. I can see I mean, that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what went down this uh <laughs> maybe maybe he's still recovering. Maybe that's why he's not here today. It's probably why. It's probably why. So, this, Matt, this is what you get when you don't show up. So, yeah, on to the episode. <laughs> so, a few weeks ago, Kobe Bryant and his daughter were involved in a helicopter crash. Uh, they crashed in Calabasas. Uh, it's still under investigation, but everything shows that it was likely due to uh, a really foggy morning. So, in total, there were nine people killed in the crash. Uh, Bryant and his daughter were the two out of the nine. Uh, Gianna, which is so sad, it was only 13 years old. Kobe was 41. And this has been some of the saddest news I've ever heard, you know, in terms of someone that's a superstar celebrity status passing away, I think, during my lifetime. What do you think, Serge? Yeah, man, this hit me pretty hard. And I, I wasn't the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. But, you know, seeing him transition uh, after he left the NBA and into his post NBA career, you know, you could see him blossoming into an amazing father, a great businessman. And it was just like, oh, this guy's going to be a role model for years. Um, so I, I thought it was, I just didn't think it was real at first. I don't know about you, but I saw like the TMZ story and um, it's still, I'm still like 
grappling with this because I, I, I think, you know, he was going to do a lot post his post NBA career. So this is this hit me pretty hard. So over the past weekend, the NBA All Star Game was hosted in Chicago, and they basically structured the event in a way to honor the life and career of Kobe. So when they started off, Magic Johnson started the game, I believe, with uh, eight seconds of silence. And the eight symbolizes Kobe's uh, jersey number. They also had Jennifer Hudson. She sang a beautiful song. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, YouTube it. I mean, it was beautiful. If you don't feel anything when you watch that performance, I mean, you probably don't have a soul. Yeah, was, you're dead inside. You you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely dead inside because, I, I mean, yeah, it brought a tear to my eye. Just, uh, it was beautiful. At a, uh, she sang wonderfully and it was just a really cool video clip they had playing in the background they also changed the award to the kobe bryant all-star mvp award yeah, that was cool and that's going to be something that's going to be going on from here on out and uh we're about a week out but uh the kobe gianna memorial service has been planned for february 24th at staples uh but yeah, man, this guy, he was a legend, you know, 18 time all-star five time NBA champion, two time Olympic gold medalist. But what's crazy about Kobe Bryant and we all know him as the amazing basketball player that he was, but he was so much more than that. And I think this is why for me, his passing hit me so hard. This guy did so much more. He was an Oscar winner. And he was the owner of a venture capital firm with more than two billion dollars. Uh, dollars in assets. Wow. Bryant Stiebel, uh was the venture, the VC firm. And he also did a lot for after school programs and, you know, did a lot for cancer research and helping the homeless. Um, man, he's, this guy's a beloved superstar. And, uh, you know, I think everyone is going to miss him. Yeah. His impact is, you can see it when it happened, you know, people were in the streets just sobbing, crying, all the uh, memorials, um, painted across the world you know he, he touched he actually spent a lot of time in italy um growing up because his father was a pro- professional basketball player and a lot of the professional teams out there did some dedication like he's this is totally global huge impact across the world yeah so i'll be going in a little bit about you know the financial life of kobe bryant so we all know that he was fantastic at basketball but this guy was so smart like he was doing things off the court he was planning for his retirement so I'll talk about some of the investments that he did because I think it's rather interesting. And, you know, Sergio is going to be talking about that Mamba mentality and, you know, how you can apply it to your career. But first off, how did the how did it impact you Like when you first heard it? Like, what did you feel? I felt nothing. I'm dead inside, man. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, it was awful. Uh, I was actually in uh, I was I think I was in church. I was in church and uh, my brother-in-law showed me his phone and it was a TMZ story. And I was like, dude, that's fake. Get out of here. Like, don't say that, man. Like, that's not even something to joke about. And then as I walk out, I'm starting to see, you know, Twitter blow up, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. And it was real. And I was like, you know, I had to really take a deep breath because um, this hit me really hard. And I think, you know, there was there was initial reports. I was my first. Honestly, my first thought was, I hope he, his family wasn't on board. Mm-hmm. Me being a father of two kids, son and a daughter. I know he has daughters. My prayer was that like his family wasn't with him. Yeah, hundred percent. And once I realized that his thirteen-year-old daughter was on that helicopter with him, that hit me. That hit me hard. You know, I don't cry much, but I definitely shed some tears that day. Yeah, me too. Um, it's terrible. You know, not not just them that died. You know, there were seven other people that died, and a couple other younger kids I think also died. And there's, I think there are kids at home now without parents. So this this was devastating on all levels. Um, I'm still, you know, I still think about this probably on a daily basis um, just because of, you know, Kobe was, you know, you and I, we grew up kind of in that Jordan era. And then Kobe, Jordan kind of handed the torch to Kobe. And Kobe was pretty much the only one that I think could even like hold a candle to Jordan. Yeah. So I think that's also that that impacted us as well because we kind of came up with Kobe as well. So uh, it hit me everywhere, man. And I'm I'm just sending prayers and good vibes to his family and all the families um, who lost somebody that day. This guy was so beloved by like so many people. I mean, you know, there was the passing of Princess Diana, Michael Jackson, Prince. Uh, Those are things that came to mind. 
But man, I I think Kobe Bryant was at such a level, and I think that has a lot to do with what social media has done. Is I think he was one of the very first superstars, mm. famous people that you got to be in his life, and I think that's why a lot of people felt this is because there was there's been famous people before him that were beloved, but you know I think just with social media now you're so into these people's lives and you you're able to stay up to date on what's going on with them i think every it hit everyone yeah much harder yeah i was gonna say and also his his uh almost transformation because you remember like earlier on in his career he was kind of standoffish you know the media he wasn't like this media like sensation where everyone loved him um i think you're gonna touch on you know some of the teammates you, you know didn't didn't like all of his teammates so like he i feel like he just made this like rapid ascension because he grew up in the league right he came in really young and he grew up yeah and i think that's yeah that's it like the, i think you know that he was he was great on the basketball court but his personal life at times he was in shambles his personal life yeah. and he he showed that you don't need to be perfect in that you can evolve and become better I think, you know, you alluded to it before, like the teammate thing. Like he was known as a bad teammate. End of his career, people, uh, the players that were around him loved him. He had rape allegations back in 2003 with people calling him a rapist. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of his career, you look at him, he's like this amazing family man that his uh, whole family looks up to. He repaired a friendship with Shaquille Shaq. O'Neal. They yeah. hated each other. They, yep. they went to blows. The, they tried to knock each other out. Uh, and some practices, and um, they became really good friends at the end. And then he also showed that you can do social good. Like he was really big in helping women's basketball. He was a, a you know, he was outspoken about, you know, people always asked him like, "Well, you have all these daughters, don't you want a son?" And he would all say like, "No, I no. want, yeah. I want like six, seven more daughters." Yeah. And uh, you know, he did all these great camps for the youth. Like, yeah, he it was he's an awesome story when you look at it from start to end like he just like how you can evolve as a human being he did that yeah and i that's the thing and i think nowadays as a society we're so quick to cancel people they make a mistake you're canceled but like i love his story in that like he's made mistakes but we he, he grew up in a time where we were able to like allow him to kind of grow up exactly and make those mistakes but also now he's he's transformed and I think we need to get back to that. I'm not trying to get political here, but I'm just tired of people getting canceled for making mistakes. I agree 100%. <laughs> so Mamba mentality, what what does that mean to you? Like, what do you think we can learn from that? Being the career guy, like, wh what do you think made him so successful? Like, do you think yeah. it was the Mamba mentality or was it something else? It was just pure skill and ability. I mean, I think it starts with his, got, you know, he had the skills that nobody else had, right? Like just fundamentally, I think that's how it started. Um, he was a gifted athlete. Um, his father was a basketball player that helped, but his mentality is like nothing we've ever seen. Um, this idea of this Mamba mentality is like never make excuses never give up, work harder, work smarter, work faster, be better than your competition. And as I mentioned earlier, he was the one that had that like killer instinct like Jordan had. And I think that's what separated him from everybody in that era because nobody really else had it. You know, LeBron doesn't have it. Dwayne Wade doesn't really have it. Chris Paul doesn't have it. They're all friends. Mm. They're all friends now. Kobe wasn't friends with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe, there's a funny story. Uh, just YouTube this, but uh, he like punched or elbowed uh, teammates in practice uh, and, and called them soft. He's like, you guys are soft. Like he would just call his teammates soft because they weren't, on his level and i think he pushed people in a way that people weren't that made them uncomfortable <laughs> yeah and when i think of what mom mentality means is like he just gave zero you know he just did not care mm -hmm. and i think that's what really separated him and he himself had to redefine himself throughout his career because he went through that period with Shaq where they just dominated Shaq Shaq got traded they had that big blow up and then he was left on a team with scrubs he had like Kwame Brown and Smush Parker and it was bad Kobe wanted to be traded he kind of had to redefine his game luckily they ended up trading for Paul Gasol um, and I think that's where you started to see him transform when he when he got Paul, Paul Gasol and um, he pushed he had those the types of players that thrived under that pressure and that mama mentality
So thinking about it from a career, the career angle, um, it's, it's hard to have this mentality because Kobe always had it. Mm-hmm. I think this is something we should all strive for um, and, and, and kind of make this uniquely you. I don't think it's going to nobody. We're not going to all be a room full of Kobe's. But if you can get as close as you can to that, you're going to be successful. Yeah. yeah. I think his message was really strong. I mean, it's like every day you put out the best version of yourself and you're going to accomplish great things. And I think you look at what this guy did. Yeah, he was a talented basketball player, but you can't sell this guy short. He won an Oscar. Yeah. Right? Hundreds of millions of, you know, impact for charities. Like, he whatever he applied himself to, he did well. It wasn't because he was just a gifted athlete. Like he was so much. He had that mentality no matter what he did. Yeah. Um, even with his financial backing, so um, that so he started uh, a VC firm called Brian Steibel. So let's go into like the financial empire of, of Kobe. So he started off back in 2003 with a Nike endorsement. In 2013. He ended up doing a VC firm, and he did it with uh, Jeff Steibel, who is the founder of Web.com. And with this, what they did is they put together some of the heavy hitters uh, in terms of companies that were up and coming, and now their firm has more than $2 billion in assets. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can't sell him short. You know, I mean, he's, like you said, I think... I didn't really think of it that way, but he had that Mamba mentality in everything he did. Yeah. And not, now just, this, not just basketball. This VC firm has invested in 28 companies. And I just got to like give you guys this list just to let you know, you know, what they invested in. And you're going to recognize some of the, some of the names here. So they made an investment in tile, which is the lost item tracker. I know we see that for keychains. Mm. Uh, Epic games, a uh, big, big game called Fortnite. Oh, wow. Sergio knows all about that. Yes. Yeah. Kids um, love it. I mean, that's the biggest thing out right now. He did a desktop tracker called Team Viewer. Um, online retail giant Alibaba. Investments in Dell, uh, National Vision, VIP Kids. Uh, they did like a reserve booking company, uh, reserve restaurant booking company. So you where you make your reservations online, it's called Reserve. Legal Zoom. They also invested in Jessica Alba's brand, uh, Honest Company, and uh, you know, and this is one of the ones he be one of the investments he became famous for was his investment in Body Armor. So, I think he put that on the map. Not many people knew about it, but once he made his investment in Body Armor, somehow they were able to make it big. Now, if you go to any of the major gas stations, you'll see Body Armor drinks, but. He made investment of about six million and turned it into two hundred million. I mean, this guy wow. was so smart. You know, yeah, he was a great basketball player, but man, let's let's understand this guy was a, a he was a brilliant mind, also. Yeah. Wow. That's where the you know that's why the impact is felt in so many different industries. Exactly. So one lesson I think you can learn from Kobe Bryant on the financial side is I listened to this interview with him on MSNBC and what he was really passionate about was planning for retirement, even if you were a professional athlete, because he was talking about how all these guys in the NBA, they make all this money, but then they run out of it because they're used to making the big money and then all of a sudden it stops and then they end up running out of money. So he was always thinking about his next move, you know, even though he made, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. He wasn't settling for that. He was always thinking about like how he could do great in retirement. So, you know, for us people that don't make that sort of income, like Kobe did, like retirement's even more important, right? So if it was some, it was, if it was important for someone like Kobe Bryant, it should be important to all of us. What do you think, Serge? hundred percent. I mean, I, I think the fact that someone like him had that as one of his main priorities it it's obviously he's been successful and I think all of us can learn from that. Um, even though it's on a smaller scale, we could definitely utilize some of that mama mentality and, and just be aggressive with that and, and make sure that we're set when we're older. Definitely. So I'm going to, what I did is I put together a, uh, little poem. It's called dear Kobe. It's very sweet. I know it's very sweet, right? 
<laughs> so I, I he did he did a what he got an Oscar for Oscar for was uh, Dear Basketball. So I'm gonna read you guys to close this uh, this part of our episode, uh, the Dear Kobe. So, Dear Kobe, it's how you made us feel when we saw a 19 year old kid take the NBA by storm. We felt anything was possible. When we watch you become the greatest player of your generation, we realize greatness is a decision coupled with hard work. You weren't just a basketball player. You were so much more. Transcending basketball, touching the lives of millions, teaching us lessons we'll never forget. You showed us the Mamba mentality that with sheer will and determination, anything is possible. Teaching us to never give up on our dreams and that if we believe hard enough in our dreams, they become reality. Showing us that broken friendships can be repaired and forgiveness feels better than a grudge. And even if you let down your family, if you put your heart in the right place, it's still possible to become an all-star husband and father. And lastly, that our next breath isn't guaranteed. So we should seize each and every day. And that if we do that, we too can leave a legacy like you and Gigi. And while you first captivated us with your breathtaking dunks and heroic last second shots, we now realize you were so much more. We no longer feel fear in the moment. Instead, we embrace it, realizing these are opportunities to define who we are and that give us a chance to make us better. With the odds against us, time winding down, we take a deep breath and we know we can handle anything. With the fearless drive, step back. Kobe. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, well done. That was <laughs> a good, good way to close this segment. Well done, man. Thank you, sir. We're going to close out this part of the segment, but when we're back, I'm going to give you our economic update. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're moving on to our economic update. So there has been a lot of commotion about the coronavirus. I don't know if I said that right. I wanted to say it like that because it's, you know, it's not a a Mexican virus. I guess you're right. It's a Chinese (laughs) virus. So the coronavirus. uh, And this is taking a big toll on uh, emerging markets right now. I mean, uh, a couple weeks ago, things were looking up because U.S. and China had reached a phase one part of their trade deal. So things were looking on the up and up. But then this happened. And now this is not good. This is not bode well for the emerging markets right now. And it's going to hurt everyone. Everyone is going to feel the impact of the coronavirus. So what's happening is that it is pushing inflation in China to an eight-year high. Because right now there's a lot of panic buying because people need to buy all these household goods because they don't want to go outside they need to get emergency kits so all this influx of emergency buying is pushing inflation up that's not good big enemy uh you know in your financials is inflation Hmm. you should always fear that because if inflation goes up your money becomes worthless so that is not good um coronavirus it's been devastating there's been basically 70,000 that have come down with the illness. It's over that number now. I'm not sure the exact number, but we say roughly 70,000. And about 1,700 have actually died from this. It's very sad. Wow. What do you think, Serge? Panic button? So, I mean, it's scary. Um, Definitely, uh, hopefully they can find a a cure for this ASAP because it's definitely scary. I think, I don't know if it's ready to hit the panic button sometimes. I think they're... You know, sometimes these things, you know, they're trying to scare us on the media, but um, I think it's time to figure out best ways to deal with these types of things. I think we're pretty advanced as a society and viruses shouldn't take us out. We need exactly we should uh, we should be able to figure this out. Yeah. So the GDP forecast. So that's the thing that you want to look at on the economic side. So China for the year, we were, it was kind of around a six percent GDP estimate. But now with this, people are already taking down the GDP by at least you know, half a percent, and it might continue to grow. Uh, Economists are right now hoping that this is something that will be under control by the first quarter, by the end of the first quarter. But it, if it is not, and this thing keeps growing, that could be a significant impact on, you know, not just the Chinese economy, but the U S economy. 
So we have to look at manufacturing. That's something that's a concern. But if you look at China, their services sector is going to get dismantled with yeah. this coronavirus. Because right now, if I wanted to travel to, to China, if any of us wanted to travel to China to spend money and have a vacation, we cannot. So think about all these small businesses that rely on that sort of revenue. So this is going to be devastating. So yeah, we, uh, sorry, Lee, we got an email to your point. I got an email the, maybe a month ago. It's saying anybody who's traveled to China within a certain amount of time, they'd have to like wait two weeks before they could actually come into work. Oh really? Yeah. So this is kind of impacting the corporate world as well. Um, so they're, they're limiting the amount of time. They're limiting travel to China. And then if you've gone to China, you have to essentially quarantine yourself before you could come back to work. Yeah. yeah. That's all. And that's money that people could be making. They're not making as much money. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be devastating for China. Uh, and right now there's the big negatives. I kind of alluded to this before. It's the transportation and travel. Airbnb said that they're 80% down on terms of their bookings at the same time last year, 80%. That is a huge decline. And, uh, you know, other large companies in the U.S. have talked, uh, spoken out about this. Cisco, Nvidia, Nike, Under Armour, Estee Lauder. They have all said that this is going to really impact their business, and uh, mainly they're concerned about their supply chain. And so this impacts the whole world because you think about it. China is roughly twenty, some people say twenty-two percent of the world's GDP. So this is going to be a big hit. You know, we got to get this under control, or this could be pretty bad for you know. Not just the Chinese economy, but the U.S. economy as well. But don't panic, right? Don't panic right now. Don't don't put don't sell all your stocks. Don't do anything like that. You got to stay cool. I tell you, this will pass, right? Yes, it might be pretty rough to go through, but it will pass. Uh, another interesting fact: since we just had you know Valentine's Day weekend, I will tell you, restaurant dining costs has increased three point one percent since the previous January, hmm. largest increase since two thousand nine. So. Is that due to inflation? Inflation's creeping in, starting to rear its little ugly head. So I don't like inflation. Nope, inflation's bad. <laughs> so that is your economic update. We're going to go back to a break, but when we're back, we're talking with Sergio. Sergio's going to be talking about stress in the Silicon Valley, how to manage work-life balance. You're going to want to stay tuned for this. back in the free retiree show we're talking stress silicon valley's dirty secret <laughs> isn't that how you wanted me to say it yeah i did i did text you that yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh how to manage work-life balance so we got one of the best in the biz sergio he's been a manager at multiple companies high level one project manager um managed lots of people so serge tell us stress What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, you're, you're overselling me. But yeah, stress, I think, when I, when I, what I mean by the dirty little secret is I think there's this almost facade of when you work at these tech companies like Google, Facebook, insert tech company Nade, that it's just smiles and rainbows. Nothing goes wrong. Everything's happy. Everybody's happy all the time. You, got, you, you don't ride around on your Google bikes with big smiles everywhere? Not all the time. Some of the time. So my point here is that there's lots of stress. There's lots of demand. There's lots of pressure. There's lots of things that people just don't talk about enough. And what I wanted to do in this segment was just really kind of go into details on the different paths you could take as a, you know, somebody who works in Silicon Valley, the good, bad, and the ugly, um, share some of what, you know, I've gone through and how I've maintained it. And then just give, give the listeners a couple tips on, uh, some things they can do to combat some, uh, and ways to deal with some of this stress because when you do work not even just silicon valley but just living in the bay area is stressful in itself so i think this is something we need to talk about more and give people more um, outlets um, to really work through some of these issues um, 
but yeah, man, let's, let's start, you know, let's, let's start with, um, this idea. So right now I think there's, in my experience, what I've seen at tech companies is there's these two paths. There's two types of workers, really. There's a guy or girl who is consumed by work. Work is their everything. They work, you know, all day, all night, weekends. They kill it. They go above and beyond. They get a great performance review. They do everything in in their ability to like do everything amazing in their role. The down and I, I've been this guy before. I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> I've been that guy, and being that guy, it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on and stress. It takes a toll on your life, your relationships, and you you essentially you sacrifice so much just to to rise up in a company. So I'm not telling you that's the wrong way to do it. I'm just telling you that you need to be very cognizant and intentional that that you're making that decision because what's going to happen is it's going to impact you. So I'll just be honest with the listeners. We have my son, Darren, in the office today. Um, Darren, can you please go to the room? Thanks, buddy. Sorry about that, Lee. It's real. We're, we're, we're live on set right now. Um, but yeah, what I was getting at was like, that's like type one, somebody that's uh, in Lee, like feel free to chime in. But what I'm trying to get at is like, that's like the first kind of stereotypical tech worker. And that person may not, may not talk about all of the, the, the toll that it's taking on their body and the stress and the impact it's having on their work. But just, just from quick data, 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work, work-related stress. And I found this, uh, the American Institute of Stress, right? So the most common sources of stress, 63%, future of our nation, 62% money, 61% is from work, 57 political climate, and 51 is violence crime. Work is ahead of violence and crime. <laughs> <laughs> That, wow. that that says a lot. Yeah, we are stressed out from our work, and I do not think we were put on this earth to be stressed out from the work. Um, so, I talked about the one one type of person who's just grinding, and I think like what I want to come away with this conversation is, is like if you are if you are going to choose to be that type of person, you need to make sure you have the right outlets outside of work that can help you deal with your stress. So whether it's working out, having a hobby coaching sports, playing sports, um, talking to a therapist. There's resources out there that can help you maintain that type of lifestyle. If that's the, if that's the worker you want to be, you need to make sure that when you go home, you have those sorts of outlets. Um, on the flip side, I don't know, Lee, do you have any thoughts on that? Which guy, are you that guy? Uh, I can be at times. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely recently that wasn't always that way but yeah now i i do I, sometimes i work a little bit more and you know like i let my health go right yeah. and so yeah. for me i have to figure out you know how i can commit to uh you know keeping my health you know solid yeah so that that's for me that's what tends to go like i start you know just not exercising eating bad and uh you know and couple that with the stress yeah I, yeah it takes a little bit of a toll on me so I've tried, I've been trying to figure out how to manage that. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then, you know, for me, I just to be transparent with the audience, you know, I had a a very stressful year. I'm not going to go into details. Um, but going back to some data, the American Institutes of Stress, so some of the main causes, job pressure is one of them. Coworker tension, bosses, work overload. All these things make sense. So if you're listening to this, you felt this. Um, money, you know, health, stress impacts your health. I know, you know, I'll, I'll pick up some weight. Maybe I won't work out as much. All these things are coming around in stress. And I think the more and more we talk about it as a, a society, the better it is, gonna, you know, it's going to be for people. Um, so we talked about the guy who works a ton is always working. On the flip side of that, uh, which is what I'm trying to get to now in my career is, you know, I work hard, but I set clear expectations with my team that when I'm home, I want to be unplugged. And this is really hard to do because we're so connected. We have we have work chat on our phone. I have email on my phone. So anyone on my team could get a hold of me at any given time. What I do is I set a clear message when somebody messages me. Uh, and you could do this with most, me- most messaging apps. You've reached Sergio outside of his working hours. He will get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So there's ways we can we can automate these types of responses. You can do that with your email. 
you can set clear boundaries with people so that they understand that when you're home, you're home and you're present with your family, your significant other, whatever that may be. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. So when you were really stressed out, Mm -hmm. you said, hey, I have to change my lifestyle because certain things are suffering. Yeah. What do you think was suffering in your life? And by making the change, how did things get better? That's a great question. I'd say the first thing that suffers is relationships. Um, when I get home and I'm stressed out, my son's sitting in the other room, like he's going to feel that he's going to feel, you know, when I get home and I'm not as excited to play monster with him or go outside and kick the ball around, I'm irritable. All those little things are because of stress. So -hmm. it's impacting relationships. It's going to impact your relationship with your partner. For me, it impacted my relationship with my wife. I was also irritable with her. I'd have less patience. And, you know, women are always saying we don't have enough patience. (laughs) So like in my most stressful moments during my time uh, at that company we all know I love, um, two day sh- free two-day f- shipping, Amazon Prime, you know, <laughs> that company, uh, I was stressed out. And I think I was taking a lot of that stress at home and it impacted my, my family. And I think once I realized that, to answer your question, I started to try to unplug more. And, and, and eventually, you know, I had to make a decision to leave that company. But like some of the things I did was, you know, spend less time on my phone and not having to answer these emails or messages so quick and, and be more present at home. And I think it's, it's a long road to like getting to a place where I want to get to, but I think I'm on that, that road for my, my relationships with my, my family, with my friends. I mean, you may have even felt some of that stress when I was going through it. Working the way that the example, a, the guy that's working 24 hours, guy or girl that's working all day long weekends, constantly over delivering but i don't think that's a a sustainable or the way you should live your life i think there's going to be some major ramifications later on in life i think you can you can find the right balance we talk let's talk about work-life balance i'm confident that you know i've been able to find uh somewhat work-life balance i think i'm I'm stressed out right now to be honest i'm taking some time off (laughs) because of stress uh but i think all of us can find that balance whatever that balance is you need to find that balance because work cannot define you and it cannot be the only thing that fulfills you. Um, it's just not sustainable. I, I think that's fantastic because I think a lot of us, we're kind of almost puppets of our work, right? And so I think work controls people so much now. And I think I see it in people I know that they're being pushed so much that they're about to you know, they're not, it's obvious they're not happy. Yeah. Right. So where do you think that limit is? Because you can't always be happy with work, right? No, no. I mean, that's not, that's not realistic, but what can you do? Where do you need to be at before you make a change? It's a good question. Um, I think it's a, I, I think it's like an 80, 20 rule. If, if 80% of the time you enjoy your work, I think that's a really good place. Okay. Yeah. I um, like that. 20% of the most in most of my roles, there's going to be 20% of the time where it's either tedious or I'm not enjoying the work. I think if you're at, if you come into work every day and you're dreading the work you do, you need to have a serious conversation and figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's for me, it's that 80, 20 rule. And I, I kind of use that in any company I'm at. So if, like if, if most of the time, if it's like 50% of the time, I'm not enjoying the work it's not always the company's fault. Maybe it's, 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 it's the individual's fault and they need to figure out, okay, where are my strengths? Mm -hmm. So I'm actually taking some time off and I'm going to have a very productive time off where I'm really going to deep dive into my strengths. So one tactic I'd want to share with the listeners is, you know, come up with a, a, I call it a love and loathe list, write down all the things you love about your job, write down all the things you hate, and then you can really figure out, okay, where am I landing? Mm Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's outside of that 80, 20, start to reevaluate okay. and have, have an on, honest conversation with your manager to figure out ways to, to, to get yourself into, uh, roles or projects that really speak to your strengths. Because another, w- another reason why people may stress out is that they're working on things that aren't tied to their strengths. Mm. You're a financial advisor. Those are your strengths, right? A lot of the things you're doing every day are your strengths. Mm-hmm. What's not your strength is paperwork. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. 
So True. and what's you know and like technology, even though you're you're getting better, but imagine if you were spending eighty percent of your time doing paperwork and technology, mm-hmm. you'd be stressed. The you'd be oh, stressed yeah. out completely, right? So this is the other thing is like really identify what your strengths are, and I'm I'm confident that like when I'm working on things that I'm strong at, I'm way less stressed. Mm-hmm. It's it gets tricky when you start working on things that you're not passionate about, you're not strong at, and that definitely has an impact on stress, but. I think like the, the, for me, the summary here is we're not in your job. You're not, unless you're a doctor, a police officer, firefighter. I mean, you're not saving lives. You're not like a rocket scientist. Chill out. Don't take everything so seriously. Mm. I think my advice to everybody here is like, remember that it's, it's a job and you want to be good at it. You want to be passionate, but you're not, we're not saving babies. (laughs) So I've had to take a step back and tell myself that a few different times and really just like, hey, you know, I'm going to give my 100%. I'm going to use my, my uh, Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like these companies will, you know, if you leave, they're going to find somebody to replace you tomorrow. Yeah. Remember that. So it's not worth risking your health and your stress because these companies will replace you tomorrow. Yeah, that's totally true. Everyone's yeah. It's replaceable. I hate to say it, man, but like, it's not, it's not worth uh, costing you your health. Um, so if you find yourself that if, if you're feeling anxious, stressed out, um, you know, talk to somebody, you know, find a therapist, uh, find outlets, work out, um, go to your primary care doctor. They can give you a clear path to help you manage that stress. But to me, it comes down to that balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure you have time. Lee, I know you, you coach, uh, soccer. Yep. That's I, th- my outlet. I think that's a good outlet for you. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have that, you probably, you might go nuts. I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> and although and sometimes I go to practice and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel worse. <laughs> no, no, I actually always feel better, but <laughs> yeah, you have to find things and you know, I'm coaching, I'm going to start coaching my son's team and that might actually stress me out more, but, uh, little it's things. a different sort of stress. It's a different stress. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's so worth it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and be transparent when you, you're feeling these things and feeling these ways. Talk to somebody about it. Talk to your partner. Talk to your friend. Don't let that stuff bottle up. I did that for too long. And that's where it gets to the point where it ex- ex- explodes. And now I'm taking some time off. <laughs> 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 so uh, I'm going to try to practice what I preach here. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to really figure out what are my strengths are, my weaknesses where I'm spending most of my time, I'm gonna work out more and really try to get this this thing under control because I think it can uh, it can really have an impact. But um, if you're intentional about your time, you can you can beat stress. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. What do you think? What, what do you think, man? I know you you're you're kind of you're going through some stuff right now. Um, a lot of you don't have to go into details, but how, any ways that you manage some of your stress? I mean, for me, uh, my outlet is, you know, coaching. I, uh, you guys that don't know, I coach a uh, soccer team, a uh, youth soccer team on the side. And that that really just kind of forces me to go away from my work, you know. You know, so I do it on Tuesday nights, Friday nights, and then on the weekends. And it really forces me to step away because, you know, I generally do – quite a bit during the day and then even when i get home i'm still working right yeah. and I'm, I'm okay with that yeah. like i've I've, I've learned that i'm i can do that but um you know having something that that brings you joy and where you can help other people out for me that just kind of resets me so um that's actually been really g- a good thing for my mental health when you're overworked what i've noticed is you stop focusing on your physical health yep. right you're not working out you're not you know, you're not running, you're not lifting weights and you're basically, you know, if you're stressed, if you're like me, you run to like all the bad food. So you're gorging yourself on pizza and candy and all that stuff. And that's just not good for you. So, you know, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what people don't realize. If you over stress and you don't have that work life balance, like what are you working for? Yeah. And just to kind of, wrap this up um the way i think about it is this so with work you can be really consumed by it but never let it 
define who you are as a person. So in any job, you're going to have performance reviews. You're going to get ratings. They're going to tell you this. They're going to give you feedback. But don't let that define who you are as a person. Who you are as a person is outside of work. Are you kind? Are you caring? You know, your your kid. Yeah, maybe you have kids. Maybe you're a great father. Maybe you're a great husband. Maybe you're a great wife. Um, that's to me what defines who you are as a person. I think one of the other causes of stress is people let their the way they do at work define who they are as a person. And you need to separate the two. Who you are as a person isn't isn't what you did at work. It's it's who you are actually in the real world. Um, so I hope that that helps people, um, as a takeaway, but, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's figure this out. And I, uh, definitely think, you know, if you just be tactical and intentional about it, you can definitely manage the stress. Serge, I love all these tips that you've given us. Phenomenal. So how about this? Give us a recap of your tips. Yeah. So let's do this. So, uh, tip one, unplug when you get home. And what that means is just really be present with your family your significant other, whoever is at home with you, be exactly. present with them. You spent all that time away from your loved one. Turn off the phone. Give yep. them the attention they deserve, right? Yep. Twitter can wait. Facebook can wait. And work and can work wait. Can and wait. work can wait. Yeah. Everything can wait. Um, tip number two, find an outlet, whatever that may be, coaching, uh, music, whatever that outlet is, find something that you're passionate about and make it a routine uh, and make it consistent. Tip number three, Exercise. Um, you'd be surprised. Yeah. 30 minutes of exercise, just break a sweat, can have a major impact on your stress. Or you can be like me, just buy bigger pants. <laughs> the stretchy pants? The stretchy pants. <laughs> I'm that guy. I wear stretchy pants to nice, nice restaurants now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> for the audience, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm consistent in all these areas, but I think these are just good tips we can all take. Uh, tip number four. This is something I think people are scared to talk about. Take your vacation time. I don't do this en enough. I have like a hundred and something hours saved up. I never take PTO. I'm going to start taking it. Take yours. That time is earned and you need that time to really um, unplug from, from work and just, just relax. It's okay to relax. Uh, tip number five. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of companies we work for will have the resources, but talk to a medical professional. So a therapist, you know, they, a therapist can really um, talk through some of the issues you're having with stress and, make recommendations on how to, how to deal with it, but just, just get it out there and talk to somebody. Uh, tip number six, this is just something I've learned over time, but, um, it's kind of the 80, 20, 80, 20 rule. So 80% of the work you should, 80% of the work you do should be enjoyable. I love that rule. I think that is killer. That's the, I think that's the best thing I heard today. Like you got to reevaluate and realize like if you are stressed out that much, it's time for a change. Exactly. And I think we have to be realistic. So 20% of the, the work that we do is just, it's, it might suck, but you just need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to love everything you do, but if 80% of the work you're doing is, is enjoyable, you're in a good place. Now, if it's 50, 50 or 40, you know, 40, uh, 60, you need to reevaluate things. And that actually brings me to my last point and tip is uh, tip number seven, uh, specifically on your work, write what I call a love and loathe list. So you're going to write about 10 things that you love about what you do and 10 things that you hate. And that'll really pinpoint where your strengths and weaknesses are. And then you could figure out, okay, well, this is, this is why I'm not loving my job. You know, most of the things I'm doing, I hate. Um, and these, you know, for me, just to summarize, I think these are a lot of things we can do to help manage, manage stress in a very stressful time. Love it, man. That's fantastic stuff. So, Hey, if you guys have questions, please reach out to us at our email address, ask at thefreeretiree.com. You can ask Sergio any questions about career. He's great for that. He'll give you some great advice. Also, you can reach out to myself for any financial questions and Matt for any legal questions. But actually, um, we have an announcement. So a couple announcements. First thing, next episode, since everything with Kobe Bryant, uh, people have been requesting that I talk about life insurance. So next episode, I'll talk about what you need to know about life insurance. And, you know, I'll take all the BS in that industry. There's a lot of it. I'm going to give you what you really need to know and what's important. And then another big announcement we have, we've actually decided to replace Matt McElroy. Um, it's a tough decision, but we had to come up with someone that's smarter, uh, more just, just more intelligent, a better professional. <laughs> and I'd like to introduce him right now. His name is Darren Patterson. Darren, how are you doing? Good. 
Are you a better professional than Matt McElroy? Yes. I believe that you are. Um, <laughs> why do you think you're better than he is? Um, because I don't actually know. <laughs> I, just don't I love know. your confidence. Uh, I don't actually know. But you are better than Matt. You've yeah. heard you've heard Matt, and you you think you're better, correct? Yeah. Yes, I we all agree that. So Matt, uh, Matt, you've been replaced. Um, Darren is taking over your role. I'm sorry we had to break it to you this way. All right, that's it for the episode. Stay tuned for our next one. Bye from Darren, Sergio, and myself. Take care. Advisory services offered through RP Advisory Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree RP Advisory Services and Securities America are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson and attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with RMP Advisory Services or the Securities America Company. Securities America, RMP Advisory Services Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it is important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or a portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of a career advisor, Sergio Patterson, do not reflect the opinions of Facebook Incorporated. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.